Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The, you're still the one I want for life. Edition, as I chat one-on-one with Kevin Huber, who held off a worthy challenger in Drew Chrisman to return for his 14th season as the Bengals punter. Then Dave Lapham joins me to discuss a flurry of player transactions in assembling the 53-man roster, from cuts to waiver claims to the possible signing of former first-round draft pick O.J. Howard. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since golf carts with speed governors. I have a weird and very specific phobia. Are you ready for it? It's going down a steep hill on a golf cart. I don't know why, but that makes me very queasy, especially if the cart path is slick. So kudos to golf courses that have carts with governors on the engine to limit speed, making those treacherous downhill drives slower and safer. Long par threes over water scare me enough. I don't need an out-of-control golf cart to make it worse. Now, let's get to my first guest who happens to be an avid golfer. Kevin Huber is the Bengals' all-time leader in every significant punting category, including punts, yards, gross average, and net average. His 207 games played is tied for the most in team history with the great Ken Riley. Now, at age 37, Kevin's about to break that record after winning a training camp duel with 25-year-old Drew Chrisman. I sat down with Kevin on Wednesday to discuss the toughest training camp battle of his 14 years in Cincinnati. Were you nervous at all waiting to get that phone call? Uh, yeah, there was a, you know, a, a bit of uncertainty. Um, just, you know, being able to, I've been around long enough to know that, you know, at some point, you know, I'm, I'm moved on from. So, and, uh, you know, I think Drew uh, has a lot of potential. I think he, he kicked well this, this training camp and, um, so, I, you know, I was kind of prepared either way. Um, you know, if, if they would have moved on, you know, I would have understood. But, uh, you know, I do feel like I had, you know, um, down the stretch a better camp. And, you know, once games started coming on and the game weeks and getting back in the groove of it, I think I, I, think I, I definitely did earn my spot. So, um, you know, there's still that uncertainty. Because I, I, th- I think uh, Drew's got a lot, of, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. And um, so I, I think he will be playing at some point. Um, and I think we'll have a, a good career. Darren Simmons said when he called you, your reaction was, okay, cool. I mean, pretty, pretty mellow reaction. Was that just the way that you felt? Is that just your standard, not too high, not too low personality? That's just my standard. My, uh, <laughs> I was actually laying in bed last night. My wife read that article, and she just started busting out laughing because um, that's pretty much my typical viewpoint on everything. I just... Um, you know, it, it, it benefits me a lot um, in football just because I don't let too many things get under my skin. But, uh, you know, sometimes at home it, uh, <laughs> it's not always the best, uh, <laughs> the best route to go. So, um, 
yeah, I think that's just like my my typical attitude. This is pretty calm demeanor, and um, you know, there was obviously there was obviously excitement and some relief at the same time. Um, but I think I just I never allowed myself to show show the high or the low. So the okay cool came out. So it was also eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> that so I was a little tired. <laughs> Sometime in the last week or two, you said if they elected to go with Drew, you felt pretty confident that you would hook up with another NFL team. Considering that you played high school football here, college football here, and now more than a decade in the NFL here, is there any part of you that wonders, huh, what would it be like to punt for fill-in-the-blank? Yeah, there's always that, you know, um, <laughs> there's always that, like, wonder. Yeah, I've, I've never left Cincinnati. Um, fortunately, I've never left, and but there's always – you know what's it like what um you know what is it like for these guys that have to basically uproot their lives and learn a new city um you know i can't imagine it's an easy thing for them to do um but i'm sure there's a, some sort of excitement with it a different excitement that i've experienced um so yeah there's definitely that wonder of what it's like but um you know i'm definitely happy to you know on the other on the flip side of that not have to you know learn about that so what's going to mean more to you? Setting the franchise's all-time record for most games played, you're currently tied with Ken Riley for the all-time record, or staying ahead of Clark Harris, who is six games behind you? Uh, hands down, staying ahead of Clark. <laughs> you know, I, I can't let Clark you know, take that crown for me. Um, no, I mean, it, it's going to be a pretty, pretty cool day uh, next week to experience that and you know, be able to you know, you know, break that record. Um, just being able to stay in one place for so long and, and this league especially um, is a pretty pretty cool um, milestone to reach so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Your first punt last week 45 yards, great hang time fair caught is that kind of the quintessential Kevin Huber punt at this stage of your career? Yeah um, you know I, I know the, the new um, the new you know batch of punters coming out is really really strong big leg just crush it downfield um and you know it's it's all good and pretty to you know to the fan and um to a lot of people but I think you know going into a game knowing what you're going to get knowing you know you hit those 45 46 47 48 yard punts they're fair caught um versus you you know a touchback that goes 55 35 um so kind of just knowing what you're going to get um I think uh, probably played a big role in, um, I would think it played a big role in the decision just to, you know, because we have a pretty great team. And, you know, it's it's a lot of times you kind of play a little bit more conservative to um, not put your team in a bad position, not expose them to, you know, a return or something that could flip the momentum of the game. You know, there's nothing wrong with a 44 or 45-yard fair catch. It's a, you know, it's a, you flip the field position. There wasn't a return. There wasn't a block. It was a fair catch. No return. No nothing. So um, I think, uh, yeah, that's probably, you know, I'd, I'd be so happy having that every every single punt. 45, 46-yard fair catch and walk off the field. We've talked before about how long you'd like to do this. And you said, hey, 40 years old would be a great target if, if I could pull that off. But beyond that, considering that this team was less less than two minutes away from winning a Super Bowl last year, did that just add to your desire to maintain this job and come back with another chance potentially to get there again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, you know, being that close and seeing what, you know, moves were made this offseason to to build on what we had last year, 
um, just kind of, you know, built the excitement and, you know, definitely fueled some fire to get back and try to run it back again. So, um, you know, getting a taste of it and wanting to get back there again is definitely a big part of it. Is Evan McPherson better than he was a year ago? I would say, yeah, because he's got game experience now. He's got the confidence. He knows he knows what it takes. He knows he played in the longest season ever. You know, the rookie year for for all rookies is the longest year. They get done with their season from college, and they go right into training to get ready for the combine. It's just a nonstop grind. And he did that in his rookie year, what he did and accomplished. You know, I, there's not much he can't do. So I think just the confidence and experience that he gained – it's only going to make him better, and he needs to learn stadiums and start learning wind patterns and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's he's going to be better than he was last year. Did the 65-yarder at the practice at Pecor Stadium amaze you as much as it amazed the rest of us or no at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I know what kind of leg he has, um, but just to see, you know, the height that it cleared by and the distance, it still hit the net behind the wall, which is another 15 yards behind it. Um, it's just pretty impressive. So it's, you know, I'd love to – be a part of that to see if uh, we can get a chance for him to, you know, get the longest field goal and, you know, take that crown. It'd be cool to hold for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's not much that kid can't do. He's taken away a lot of puns for me, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Hey, congratulations on uh, winning the job and holding off a worthy competition. Look forward to another great season from number 10. I appreciate it. Thank you. Kevin was a fifth-round draft pick by the Bengals back in 2009, number 142 overall. Ten picks later, the Houston Texans selected a tight end who is now in his fourth year as a Bengals coach, James Casey. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. As I record this podcast, the Bengals' 53-man roster is still in flux. For example, backup quarterback Brandon Allen was cut on Wednesday, leaving Joe Burrow as the only QB on the roster. Allen's not going anywhere. The Bengals needed space on the roster after claiming three players on waivers. Allen is among the veterans who can re-sign after another Bengals player goes on injured reserve. Then there's O.J. Howard, the first tight end selected in the 2017 draft. According to the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the 27-year-old former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who was recently cut by the Buffalo Bills, was expected to be in Cincinnati on Wednesday night for a physical and could sign with the Bengals on Thursday. We'll know soon enough. In any case... I discussed a wide variety of roster moves with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Well, Lap, never a dull moment this time of the year. I'll be honest with you, because the Bengals are so low uh, in the waiver-claiming order, 31st after being the Super Bowl runner-up, I didn't expect them to make significant waiver claims uh, after teams made their cuts. I was wrong. They picked up three guys. Let's start with Max Sharping because I think that's probably the name that fans are most familiar with. He's been a starter Mm -hmm. for the Houston Texans the last three years. He's an interior offensive lineman. He's not coming in here to start, but that's certainly an upgrade in terms of depth. No question about it. And um, he's a guy that uh, has got some some veteran experience at that position that uh, I think they they like. And 
honestly, I, I, I bet they didn't think they were going to get him at 31. I bet they were surprised. Um, you know, Frank likes him. Frank's got a history uh, with him a little bit. So there's, uh, there's that part of it. And supposedly he's a very intelligent player. So they feel like he can come in and grasp the offense very, very quickly and, and uh, be somebody that they could rely on to give him some snaps. He's got that, um, he's been there, done that. NFL experience-wise, so it's a heck of an upgrade at this point, and I think they're really happy that he was there, and they were excited to be able to claim him. Former second-round draft pick in 2019, and again, three years of starting experience. I haven't looked at PFF grades or anything like that. I'm guessing if the Texans let him go, his uh, grades must not have been off the charts, but nonetheless, like we said, the Bengals are not expecting to plug him in as the starting left guard or anything like that. They're trying to get better in those backup spots. Yeah, and and I think, you know, having a backup with experience like that, you know, that that's something that can help a young lineman as well, like mm-hmm. Volson, because Jackson Carmen, as a you know as a you know a backup player, doesn't have all that much experience. Sharping is somebody that in that room has the most experience of. Well, other other than you know, on, on the on the other side, you have Kappa, who's obviously playing on a Super Bowl winning team. That's a that's a much different dynamic. But you you got another guy that the young players can can look to and lean on and pick the brain of and and all that sort of thing. So I think they're feeling like sharpening sharpens that entire offensive line room a little bit in terms of the mental part of the game as well as physical. Waiver claim number two, 305-pound interior defensive lineman Jay Tufele, drafted by the Jaguars last year, played for the Jaguars last year. Now he apparently had some injury problems. Right. He only appeared in four games as I turn off my ringing cell phone. Uh, but that one kind of interested me because the Bengals kept a lot of defensive linemen, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what exactly they do to make room for Jay Tufele. Yeah, but they they, um, they only had four defensive tackles in that in that mix, and they wanted to go with five. So are they going to go five and five? Uh, you know, uh, one one less edge rush guy? The vulnerable spots, as you look at the, at the roster, the 11th defensive back, whoever that may be, is that Alan George? You know, the rookie uh, college free agent who made the first 53-man roster. And like we said, there's going to be multiple 53-man rosters here over the next few days. And there's going to be practice squad uh, construction variances over the next few days. That that 16-player uh, practice squad list could look different from one day to the next. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the beast in the National Football League these days. Then you'd have to think another spot of vulnerability would be the fourth running back, Travion Williams, potentially, um, you know, makes it on the initial 53-man roster, but that's that's a luxury as the, a fourth running back as such. So th- those are two spots potentially where if they have to make moves, they're going to they're gonna make some moves with guys that are going to go to IR, you know, after uh, they make the 53-man roster, they put them on IR. It's only a four-game stretch that they're going to miss. So you know, there's there's all kinds of um, roster procedures to follow, and, and and if you're in the last five or six guys on any roster in the National Football League, or you're a practice squad guy, you don't go to sleep and sleep soundly every night. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. It it can be in flux, and and that's what's going on here. But yeah, I think they they were looking for that fifth defensive tackle, and 
and when uh, Shelton didn't work out, you know, they they still were looking and, and they liked what they saw in um, in Tufele. So big boy, plug up that interior. Need all the beef up front you can get. Waiver claim number three, a tight end from New England, Devin Asiasi, former third-round draft pick. He's been with the Patriots the last couple of years. Doesn't have a lot of catches at the NFL level. It looks like he profiles more as a, a blocking, in-line type tight end. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I guess Coach Casey probably watches as much tight end film or more than anybody in the National Football League, and they did see – you know routes that uh, were intriguing. You know that he ran and and, uh, and he had some uh, some potential in that regard and in, in, in catching the football. But but you're right. I think you know you you'd look at him as as more of a physical hand in the dirt at the end of the line of scrimmage. You know in line blocker could fill that role. So obviously with what's going on, if uh, O.J. Howard you know makes his way to Cincinnati this evening, like is being projected, and they they sign him. And you know they address uh, they address the position again with Asiasi. It's like they were really concerned about that tight end position uh, from a, a health standpoint. You know, could could they have enough healthy bodies to throw three of them out on the football field that you might need during the course of uh, the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers or other games on that on that schedule? So um, they had to do a quick remake there. It looks like. Well, let's talk about O.J. Howard. Sounds like the first step is to make sure he could pass a physical. Uh, He had a torn Achilles a couple of years ago. The 19th pick in the draft back in 2019, the Bengals really liked him Mm -hmm. in that draft. Uh, I guess they took John Ross instead. That didn't work out so well. But he's a guy, had some success early in his career, but always missed a few games every season. Then he had the torn Achilles two years ago. The Bills signed him this past offseason. How, how concerned should we be that Buffalo did not hold on to him when they're guaranteeing him a couple million dollars this year? That's that's a that's a red flag. I mean, that's a warning sign. And again, I think like you described, the physical is is everything. It's all important, and um, it's interesting around the National Football League. You know, there are there are teams. I mean, this changes over the years with with the doctors that change with these respect for franchises. But some guys would not be able to pass the physical at one franchise and they go to another and they pass the physical. So it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he can pass the physical, if uh, the Bengals' uh, doctors are okay with what they see with that Achilles and other things that he's had problems with. They, they, they get basically the x-rays, they get the medical reports, and they tug and pull and check on everything uh, that they possibly can and try to make as, as good a guess as possible about the durability of the player. But that, that has been... Availability and durability, you know, two abilities you like to have. O.J. Howard's had, had some struggles with, no question about it, because he, he does have, you know, when healthy, uh, he, he does have talent and, and, and some skill sets. There's no question about it. Let's talk about the roster cuts. I guess the closest battle appears to have been the one at punter. 37-year-old Kevin Huber wins the job. 25-year-old Drew Chrisman on the practice squad for now, unless another NFL team comes calling. Do you think that was as close as it appears? Do you think that was an agonizing call for Darren Simmons? I think it was close, yeah. I think he's vacillated a little bit with it, and uh, it probably changed you know, from week to week a little bit. I, I think the fact that Kevin Huber had good weeks of practice, back-to-back weeks to end training camp was a big factor. Uh, the one game he had a really good week of practice, didn't punt. 
at all. Crispin got all the punts. And then another good week of practice, and they alternated. And it is interesting that the strength of Crispin, you know, blast it, and the strength of Huber, directional kick and pin him back in there, those are the opportunities they got in, those, in the game, the way the rotation went and the way the field position dictated how you approach you know, your opportunity as a punter. It would have been very intriguing to see if it had flipped the other way around if Crispin could have responded like Kevin did in terms of pinning people back. And then if Kevin could have launched maybe not a 65-yarder, but launched a good 50-plus-yard punt to try to flip field position. So I, I do think that, you know, I guess as the old saying goes, the devil you know is better than one you don't. <laughs> He's been around with, with uh, Darren Simmons for a long time. There's big trust there. We talk about trust in these relationships between teammates and coaches and coaches and, and players, and um, there's, there's an immense amount of trust there, and he's been part of a lot of successes with the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's it's a good football team. So you're almost hesitant to say, why why disrupt the apple cart, you know? I mean, it, it, it's not like it was a knockout punch, and that's what I felt had to happen. And Crispin had to knock him out, not not decision him. You know, he had to he had to put him on the on the floor. And uh, I, I didn't think that that happened, so I'm not I'm not surprised. It wouldn't have surprised me if they decided to go the other way too. I mean, I think it was that close, but I'm certainly not surprised that they decided to stay status quo with the operation. Clark Harris is the snapper, Kevin Huber is the holder, and Money Mac drilling the thing, and then. Harris and Huber, the H boys, uh, you know, with the operation there and not bobbling a snap ever <laughs> in any phase of it in the operation. And Kevin Huber continuing to pin people back and put them on long fields. I, I think, you know, like we've talked about, and you said, hey, you don't, hopefully you're not never, you're never backed up. You got Joe Borden, you got all these skilled players, and you, you're not going to be backed up. And we, you know, it's like, okay, I, I've never, I haven't done a study. I have never read a study which, are, is, is pinning the opponent back inside the 20, you get more opportunities at that during the course of a normal season than you do having to, you know, flip bad field position. I think I, I think Darren Simmons puts value in backing teams up and having them make having them, you know, negotiate a big field, a long field to try to get some points. You mentioned Alan George earlier. Of the guys that at least made the initial 53-man roster, he would be the most unlikely story, I would think, an undrafted free agent. I looked him up in the Dane Brugler pre-draft guide, The Beast. Mm -hmm. He was listed as the number 84 cornerback coming out of college last year, and I'm not sure why. He ran a 448-448-40. That's not, you know, top 10 draft pick speed, but that's fast enough. He's got an 80-and-a-half-inch wingspan. That was about Mm -hmm. as big as anybody in the draft. He went to Vanderbilt, so he's smart. I think he can play in the NFL. What do you think? He's shown it. I mean, he. I thought he made really good decisions in terms of when to break on the football. I thought his coverage was very sticky. I thought he got his hands on footballs. He had opportunities to make plays on footballs. I thought that he just absolutely capitalized on every, every snap opportunity that he got. And sometimes, you know, guys fall through the cracks. People miss on guys. There's no no two ways about it, and you got to credit the uh, Bengals scouting department and personnel department for saying, you know what, this guy's got some traits that you have to have in terms of the arm length and uh, the body type and the intelligence and football IQ and all those things that go along with it. I mean, he's 
he's a very, very um, bright guy to talk to. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Very mature, kind of mature beyond his years, married man. Uh, the play, uh, the coaches and his teammates, I think, look at him as like not your typical rookie in that regard. You know, it, it seems like he's got some life experiences tucked under his belt already. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's uh, if he's still with that 53 man roster, or, or he's going to have to suffer, you know, going through waivers and being put on the practice squad and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, at, at this stage. But I, I think his future is bright. I think that he put enough good tape out there that if they do decide to eliminate him from the 53-man roster now, that somebody may pick him up. It's, it's, there's a strong possibility there. I think if, if teams around the league say, okay, this is a pretty good defensive football team, they have a pretty good back end, Luana Rumo and company decided to keep him, let's, take a, if, let's, let's look at the tape again and make sure we didn't miss anything, and it would not shock me if he gets grabbed by somebody. Several of our fellow reporters on the Bengals beat came out of the final preseason game thinking that Jake Browning was pushing Brandon Allen for the backup quarterback spot. I'll be honest, I never really saw it that way, but there are certainly instances where I'm wrong about stuff like that. Did you see it that way? Did you think that there was a chance that Jake Browning was going to move up to the number two spot? I think that that Jake Browning took advantage of um, situations where, you know, at, at the end of preseason football games there are guys playing that aren't necessarily being counted on to be big contributors during the course of the season but then he's playing with guys in the same category so it's like okay he put those guys on his shoulder on his back and said I'm going to take you uh, to a high level of of, uh, execution and performance and everybody fed off of that you had you know guys that are going to be potential practice squad receivers um, didn't make the 53 man roster, but you know young receivers took advantage, and uh, one of the young receivers is now down in Jacksonville, so you know he get claimed and, and put on a 53 man roster. So it, it's you know it, it's a it's it's a situation where I, I don't think they they were fortunate that Brandon Allen didn't do anything to lose the spot that he had. Mm-hmm. Jake Browning maybe pushed it a little bit, competed with him, but it's almost like the Kevin Huber Crispin thing. Did was there a knockout? I mean, I, I don't think you know you don't make a move like that on, on a split decision. And I do think that the relationship between Joe Burrow and and uh, and Brandon Allen is is a factor as well. I mean, I think that Joe Burrow respects Brandon Allen's opinion, respects how Brandon Allen sees things and all that that goes along with it in that quarterback room. And I know that the relationship that uh, Brandon Allen has with Zach Taylor and, uh, you know, Dan Pitcher, his position coach, and Brian Callahan, all those factors are are, are real. So uh, I, I, I didn't see it as – he was competing with him for sure, but I didn't see Brandon Allen in tremendous danger by any stretch of the imagination. The offensive line is set. Zach Taylor officially said that Cordell Volson will be the starting left guard. Those guys practiced together last week in those joint practices against the Rams. So if you take last week, this week, and next week, they'll have about three weeks together as a starting offensive line. Is that a good amount of time to develop chemistry and communication and, and the things that, that make that fist that you often talk about? Yeah, you know, it's, it's when you look at it and you think, here's a team that was within a whisker winning the Super Bowl and 80% of their offensive line is different than the one that played in that Super Bowl. Four different starters. 
The only consistent uh, dimension is 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 having Jonah Williams at the left tackle position. That that's that's pretty unbelievable, really. Um, I, I do think those Rams practices were critical. Uh, I, I think that they're going to work together as a unit more now in the next couple of weeks. They haven't really, particularly LC, I mean, Collins hasn't been able to, to get many reps and many snaps because of that back issue that he was dealing with. I think that he's going to have to, you know, push that a little bit. They're going to have to see if he can go and if they can count on him to go. So I do think you have to – it's not going to be live or, or at the speed that it was against the Rams in a lot of situations. But one-on-one pass rush is one-on-one pass rush. That is full go. And then the, the stunts that you do in that, uh, you know, uh, T-E-E-T twist, tackle, tackle, twist, the whole nine yards. I would like to see a blitz period or two where it's the entire front seven because a lot of times, you know, you, you pick up the twists and stunts at the line of scrimmage, but then when you have to get your eyes to the next level and here comes a linebacker downhill and he's involved with a twist and he's scraping, you got to make sure that everybody's on the same page, recognizing the same things. It's almost like almost like a quarterback and receiver that see things through the same eyes. Everybody in the offensive line has to see everything through the same eyes. And um, with the experience that these guys have, I'm talking about reps and snaps at a high level, you know, Super Bowl game winners uh, and playoff participants, they, they, they've, they've seen it. Um, now they just need to see it together and, again, see it through the same eyes, make sure that <clears throat> that they're – they feel comfortable with when I set I'm on the exact level I need to be at with respect to my guard when their twists and stunts taking place and all those little fine tuning things I think they're going to be fine but I do think I do think that um, they're going to be better toward the end of September than they're at the beginning of September it'll probably take a little while to get rhythm and timing down and all that in the comfort level but I, I think they've mentally they've been at it for a while in terms of recognizing communicating and trying to get seeing things through the same eyes like I was talking about. But then those physical reps are important, Dan. There's no substitute for them. In that second practice against the Rams, LC had some trouble with Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd is a fine player. I'm not referring to the three fights that they got into, but just the matchup against Leonard Floyd. Do you find that concerning considering how little uh, LC practiced? I think think that uh, he went against a high-caliber guy with very little time to prepare, you know, and, and... Knocking the dust and rust off is one thing. Knocking dust and rust off against a guy who's one of the one of the best edge rush guys uh, available in the National Football League—it's a challenge. So I, I think I think that that was an eye opener, um, and I, I do think that um, that his muscle memory, everything is going to come back pretty darn quickly. Every 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 part of his game that make him the great player that he is, I think it's it's going to – hopefully it's there for the Pittsburgh Steelers because, you know, you look at what they prov- provide on the edge. Are you kidding me? T.J. Watt tied the record, 22 sacks or 22-and-a-half, whatever it was last year. That that, that group can, can rush the passer. I mean, five straight years they've led the NFL in sacks. It's nuts. They had 50 sacks last year. So uh, we know Ogan Joby. We know Cam Hayward. T.J. Watt, if totally healthy, he had that strain of his MCL, but it looks like he's going to be able to, to make the dance and be a pretty good dancer. So it, the offensive line has a challenge. There's no two ways about it. It's going to be a very, very big key in this football game. That veteran 
group that they they signed in free agency, and then the rookie to complement them. That they that's what they wanted to do. Let's go repair the offensive line. Hit it with three pretty darn good veteran players and draft a rookie who shows that he's ready. Maybe even a little earlier than they thought. Going to get tested right again right away against division rival Pittsburgh. It's not going to be an easy chore, that's for sure. Last thing, hopefully those five offensive linemen will gel and they'll be terrific and the Bengals will have an above-average offensive line this year. But chances are they won't all start all 17 games. Guys go down, things happen during the course of the season. Of the backups, Carmen, Hill, Adenogy, Smith, Prince, now Sharping being added to the mix. Who do you feel best about? Yeah, Sharping, I, I you know, got to really take a look at. I, I mean, obviously, though, he was highly regarded coming out of college and was a starter in the National Football League for three seasons, so he's got some pelts on the wall. There's no no question about that. But I think the guy that's probably been the most consistent is Trey Hill, hmm. you know, um, in terms of if Ted Karras were to go down, you know, would w- what would you do? I, I think Trey Hill is, has shown – steady progress. I think he's gotten better. I think he's been very consistent um, with his efforts during during uh, a training camp. Um, you know, I, I think Adenogy has gotten better as camp has gone on as well. But Trey Hill, I think, is like, you know what? Boy, played pretty well against the Giants. Then followed it up with pretty good work in practice against the Rams and during the game against the Rams. So um, I feel pretty good about him being able to you know, to, to play really any three of the interior positions if need be in a pinch, really. All right. You've got your last weekend off for a long time coming up this Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully there's some good grandchildren time planned. Yes, we do have some good grandchildren time. We've got uh, uh, my, my granddaughter turned nine years old this week, so we're having a big birthday nice. celebration for her on uh, on Saturday on this weekend and roller skating and then all kinds of stuff and Labor Day fireworks and it's going to be a big Wallapalooza but yeah get some of that done and man you rest up too you talk about uh, my schedule my goodness I, I remember what it was like double duty man with uh, college football and the NFL the best it, it's the best but I remember being sleep deprived a few times <laughs> and thinking oh my goodness I would just I'd give a lot just for two more hours. <laughs> and you don't even drink coffee. I don't know how you did it. No, I don't. I don't drink coffee. No, it was. Uh, it was. It was interesting. I, and then, for about a seven-year stretch, I was doing high school games on Friday, and then doing a college games Saturday and an NFL game Sunday. What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? I assume they all paid. Yeah, but the prep. I mean, the prep was like okay. Well, now the high school was the hardest prep because there's a hundred right. kids. You know, it's like, man, that was a, that was a, a, not a very smart commitment because you just can't do it. It's almost impossible to do it the way you want to do mm-hmm. it, doing it right. You know, and it's like, ah, am I giving everything the attention I need to get it? So, you 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 impress me, Dan. You are you have you're so organized. You have it down to a science. Your prep is impeccable, and uh, and and you're the best. You get it done. You're a pros pro. Thanks, buddy. I'm gonna have fun in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on Saturday. I can tell you that. Suey pig. <laughs> They're going to be. I remember when Texas, Arkansas, we're out out to dinner, and all, all these Arkansas fans. I mean, every, every bite they're taking. Suey pig. It's like, what the heck is this, man? College football is the best, though. It's great, isn't it? I am definitely looking forward to calling Saturday's game between 23rd ranked Cincinnati and number 19 Arkansas. I also got a great Friday night restaurant recommendation from former Razorback star 
Brandon Allen. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.